Welcome to Malpractice Podcast. So, are you ready to get started? <laughs> I'm so ready to get started. I'm so I'm so excited about this episode. Me too. I'm going to be honest. Wait, I'm Jess. Oh, I'm Sydney. And this is malpractice. Yeah. Right off the top. Getting it right. Introducing ourselves. (laughs) Introducing our podcast. If you're... Oh my God. Wait. We've almost been doing this for a year. (gasps) I know. Did you think about that? What are we going to do for our one year episode? Maybe we'll put out... Merch. (laughs) (laughs) One year. Merch. Yeah, we need to do that. Oh, my God. We're on the ball, kind of. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're getting there. We're slow. Let us live our lives. Damn. We're doing our best. We're doing our best. If you've been asking about merch and you've been interested in merch, thank you for your support. But damn, let us Mm. live our lives. Just kidding. We're really working hard on getting it done. (laughs) My advertise my built-in advertisement today is for hot toddies. Always. You love a hot toddy. If you have seasonal allergies and you want to drink a whiskey beverage with honey in it, the hot toddy may be the drink for you. Yuck. You don't like a toddy? Mm-mm. Really? I don't like anything ever. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I don't like alcoholic drinks. I'm. S- mm. Yeah, you don't like anything that tastes like alcohol, do you? No, I don't like it. Not nice. I understand. It's not always good. But I do like whiskey. Whiskey. True to my wow. Irish roots. <laughs> Y'all, she's like holding up her mug with her whiskey. <laughs> it looks like like if you saw me drinking this giant mug and it was just whiskey, that's alcoholic mm-hmm. level. But it has hot tea in it. So it's fine. So it's fine. Right? Right? Say I'm right. (laughs) Sure. Living your life. Okay. Also, another little order of business before we get truly kicked off. These are going to be the last two episodes of season two. If you're new to the show and this is the first time you're listening, why why are you starting on season two, episode 18? Start at the beginning. Why are you like this? (laughs) Who hurt you? Start on episode one. Dang. Okay. If it's not your first time listening, thanks for sticking yeah. with us. We love you. You're the real MVP. We love your reviews. We love we your love feedback. It. We love your participation station. And we're not going to do a, a long break this time, so have no yeah, fear. It'll be a short break. We'll probably do some little mini, mini episodes in the interim. We'll do some things. You'll see some things coming out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We have some fun stuff, and I think you're going to like it. Yes. Is what I'm going to say. Yeah. To you and yours. Oh my god, I saw, I was at the store and I saw, I saw Thanksgiving stuff out. No. And I was like, no. what the heck? But it is like yes. August, which is basically October, if you skip we September. We could skip September, except it's your you're birthday in November. <laughs> and we're going to be 30 this year. <laughs> it is. It, it is my birthday. <laughs> I hate it. Fuck. I hate it. I'm pretending like you know, it's not happening. 30. 30. Whatever. I don't even care anymore. 30 and flirty. Oh my and God. Thriving. 
How is Eric doing? Good. He's good. Yeah. Just living his life. Works living at NASA. his best life. Living in his living his NASA life. How's Michelle? Awesome. Living her best life. Made a sandwich for dinner. Oh, uh, what kind of sandwich? It was like a turkey sandwich. She's a vegetarian. Gonna have she to cut that out. Up in quotes. Quote unquote. <laughs> she gets sometimes she's just like, I want a turkey sandwich. And I'm like, live your life. I feel that on a spiritual level. I was a vegetarian for a long time and then a literal cheeseburger on a mm. drunken evening, made me give up vegetarianism. <laughs> and H-E-B has this, not that we're doing free H-E-B ads, but they can get a free ad because we love H-E-B. Honestly. They have these lemon, like sour lemon melons. So it's like a- Oh my God, the lemon pop melon? That shit is a bop. The best thing I've ever eaten. I just ate the whole melon in the last 48 hours. Yeah. I literally, like, get them, scoop them out, eat them every day for breakfast for, like, four days, and they're gone. It's like, okay, for those of you who don't know, it's like a, a what is it called? Like a honeydew. It's it, a honeydew. Like yeah. a honeydew melon, mm-hmm. but, like, a million times better. Like, normal honeydew like lemon melon, meh, in right? It. Yeah, I hate melon. Like I a normal honeydew. Yeah. A lemon pop melon. It looks like a honeydew. It tastes like a kiss of heaven. So good. You can't get these honey pop melons if... Honey pop. (laughs) (laughs) What are they called? Lemon Lemon pop. (laughs) You can't get a honey pop or a lemony pop. You can't get one. Okay. Do you want to get into it? I deadass want to get into it. Okay. Tell me a story. I got to crazy story for you okay so like a few weeks ago when was this like maybe a month ago no literally no it was like no a like two weeks, weeks ago. ago okay yeah yeah like two weeks ago we put up a poll on instagram about which topics listeners wanted to hear and i put the two topics up and this topic today which is food allergies if you're clicked on the episode you probably already know that dun, 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 dun. it won 60 percent of people voted for this and 40 percent of people voted nitrous oxide which is like laughing gas which i will one day <laughs> do an episode over laughing gas i swear and no one can stop me because it has a ridiculous history and we're going to talk about it one day yeah and we don't want to stop today's you. not that day we want to hear yeah it. not today 60% of people wanted to stop me, but that's none of my business, though. <laughs> I chose laughing gas. You did? You voted in our poll? <laughs> yes. I love that. <laughs> I was like, I want to hear Sydney tell me about laughing gas. I want to laugh. That one's coming, I swear. That's okay. going to be, maybe maybe my first episode of season three will be laughing gas, but. Season kay. three. You see what I did there? Quick plug for season three. <laughs> okay. So pull out your EpiPens, Mal Pals, because okay. today we're talking about food allergies, which you may or may not know, sends one person to, in the U.S. to the emergency room every three minutes. Goddamn! Did you know that? <laughs> right. It's super common. And speaking of allergies, I'm also having kind of a rough case of seasonal allergies. So if I sniff into the mic, excuse me, I will try to edit it out. But also, I'm just being topical, so. Oh, my God. I have horrible allergies. Just seasonal allergies? Yes. The sun could come out on a beautiful summer day, and I have allergies. I can't breathe. Yeah, the pollen count is ridiculous. But this is... It's bad. We're not even going to talk about, like, seasonal allergies. We're just talking food allergies. So, part of the idea for this episode came about because, A, we're curious people, and we like to know how things work. Mm -hmm. So, hence this entire podcast. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And B, 
Because I was on a plane recently, and they made an announcement asking people not to open chocolate or nut products on board Mm -hmm. because there was a child on board who would literally go into anaphylactic shock if a peanut was in the air around them. Yeah, that's why schools just don't allow peanuts. Because of it's how crazy. I didn't know it's this. It's very serious. So I knew, right, that kids, especially with like peanut allergies and things like that, can can have really severe allergies. I did not know that it was like inhalable. Some of them. So it's like levels of extreme, right? But right, like if right. you have like that type, like you cannot. No PB&J for you. Yeah. We're going to get into all of this because I have a whole list. None of that. So that that experience on the plane got me doing some research about how food allergies work because I honestly had no idea what a big issue it was and how many people it affects. So first I want to get into some like nitty gritty statistics, which is something that everyone wants to hear on their way to work or wherever you're listening to this. But wait. Correct. Before I do that, do you have any food allergies? No. (laughs) Are you allergic to anything besides pollen? I don't. Okay, I am. You have a bee allergy, right? I am allergic to bees, but it's not aggressive. Okay. I don't need an EpiPen. Okay. I will turn purple wherever it stings me, though. Gotcha. It's okay. not a good time. And I am allergic to some medicine. I can't remember what it is, which is not helpful. <laughs> that's for nausea. And as soon as I have it, I pass out. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I only had it one time. And I was like, oh, that's not good. But I can't remember what it is. So. Passed out. Don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. Literally, I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Eric has a shrimp allergy. Right. He can't have any fun food. No. And so I, I love shrimp, but also I like can't. I mean, his allergy is not that severe, but I like never cook shrimp because I'm like, what if I poison my husband and then I have to go to court and be like, why did you cook him a shrimp <laughs> knowing he had a shrimp allergy? Right. I'll go to jail. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. No jail. Back to those statistics. So there are currently 32 million people living with life-threatening food allergies in the U.S. alone. Jeez. Right? And one out of every 13 children has a life-threatening food allergy. And 40% of those kids are allergic to more than one thing. Yep. Yep. So basically the thing that makes an allergy life-threatening is whether or not it triggers a response called anaphylaxis. Which is basically just fancy medical jargon for a really severe allergic reaction. So anaphylaxis, <laughs> right? Science words. Thanks, science. So anaphylaxis can be caused by tons of different foreign substances entering your body, whether that's like food for most people who have food allergies, medication, like you were mentioning. Lots of people mm. have medication to al or allergies to medication. And fun fact: the most common medicine that people are allergic to is actually penicillin. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So random. So many people are allergic to penicillin. Yeah, I, it's just... I know. That is so weird. But when I was poking around food allergies, I was like, what the heck? There's so many yeah. food allergies. So many people have food allergies. <laughs> like, you know a common one? Celery. Celery, yeah. Celery, like strawberries. Fucking celery. It's crazy how many... There are actually 160 different foods that have been identified as causing allergies, and they're still occasionally discovering new ones. How horrible to be the person that discovered, like, oh, I have an apple allergy or whatever. Right. Well, and also, like, I I feel like back in the day before they knew what food allergies were, they just, like, 
kids started suffocating and they were like, what do I do? Yeah, no, seriously. That's terrifying. Yeah. So the other thing that can commonly cause it is venom by biting insects like bees and wasps. And some people can even experience contact with things like latex and get anaphylaxis from that. Yikes. (laughs) Right. Imagine discovering you were allergic to latex. There's a lot of ways you could discover it that that would be really not fun. Long pause for our listeners to pick up what I'm putting down. Yeah, subtle. (laughs) Okay, yeah, thanks. So (laughs) anaphylaxis, I said a word that was science-y. Yeah. How, what happens during that? Like, I don't actually, I actually don't know. (laughs) Okay, so that's a really good question. And it can be a little bit different depending on how severe the person's allergic reaction is. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk more about this later, but basically all allergies are effectively the same food allergy wise in terms of they're not necessarily one is more severe than the others. It just causes in that person a more severe reaction. I see. I see. So anaphylaxis is like worst case scenario, but basically when the person comes into contact with the allergen or the trigger, those are the the same name for the thing that causes their reaction. They can experience anaphylaxis, which comes with like a super itchy rash, sometimes swelling, shortness of breath, lightheadedness, low blood pressure. And we'll get into how each of those things work in a little Mm -hmm. bit. And if it's really severe, you see the swelling of the tongue and the throat that make it difficult to breathe. Okay, okay. Have you ever seen the scary movie Hereditary? No, I don't do scary movies because I'm not paying someone to scare me. I didn't think you did. seems like... I just drive down the street and I get scared, so. (laughs) I mean, that's not unfair. Hereditary is also, I would say, top scariest movies I've ever seen. Really? But also, yes. Spoil it. And no spoilers. Ah. No, I'm not spoiling it. But there's a scene from Hereditary where someone has an allergic reaction, and it is like one of the most deeply disturbing things I've ever seen. Okay, but tell us what it is. No, I'm not telling. Tell us. I'm not telling. Tell me. Um... Tell us. Okay, if you have not seen Hereditary and you want to see it, I'm going to ask you to skip 10 seconds forward. Okay. Okay. And go. Skip. So it literally haunts me to this day. The girl, the daughter has an allergic reaction. The son is driving her to the ER. She sticks her head out of the window to get air because she's, like, suffocating on her Mm -hmm. own swollen tongue and and throat, right? Mm Mm-hmm. He swear a deer jumps out in the road. He swerves, and it, her head hits a pole, <gasps> and she dies. Yes, that was definitely more than ten seconds. So somebody got that ruined. <laughs> okay, skip fifteen seconds, maybe. Wait, it's too late. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Do you ever think about when people in movies and you're like watching it and you're like, what kind of sick freak made this movie? I. Yes. I think of that all the time. Because my favorite author is Stephen King. Yeah, you're a freak. And he is a... Freakus. Maniac. Like, what is his it? mind is not okay. Eric always calls Corey a freakus. Freakus, yeah. Hi, freakus. <laughs> freakus is our favorite word. <laughs> um, That movie literally haunts me to this very day. That's so But scary. anyway... Basically, the whole pre—I mean, not the whole premise, but the premise of that particular part is that she's having an anaphylactic reaction. So it basically starts immediately after exposure to the allergen or trigger, and it is terrifying and it is potentially life-threatening depending on how severe the reaction is. That's crazy. Yeah, right. But luckily, 
in these modern times, we kind of know how to manage it. So obviously the best way to avoid anaphylaxis is to avoid whatever the trigger or allergen is that would cause it. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to be like that kid on my flight. Tell everyone you know that you have these severe allergies and make sure that people who prep your food at restaurants know because... As embarrassing as it is to be like, oh, sorry, no paella for the table. I have a shellfish allergy. What's even more embarrassing is dying at the table because no one knew. And then you ate shellfish. Yeah, literally. So there. No no shame here. No shame in our game. Tell everyone. Yeah. Oh, my God. Merch idea. We should be like, hey, I have a food allergy. This is like a whole... What's crazy is that a this shirt. is a whole community that is like getting laws passed. Like, we're going to talk about it, but it's wild. Yeah, yeah. I just saw... Uh... Biden passed a food allergy like law recently. Brand new thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the best thing you can do if you have these allergies is to avoid the trigger. However, if for some reason you do come into contact with the trigger, like say you didn't know you had this allergy or you didn't know there were nuts in this cake, whatever, right? The solution is pretty simple. And everybody probably has some idea of what an EpiPen is. But in case y'all don't, Epi is short for epinephrine, and it's also commonly known as adrenaline. So the recommendation is that basically if you have to administer an epinephrine injection, you do it to the anterolateral thigh muscle. So picture your thighs. If you're wearing a pair of jeans or leggings and the seam that runs down the outside, that's where you'd want to shove in the EpiPen, push the cap down, and that's you injecting yourself with an EpiPen or the person who's having an allergic reaction. It's the same place if you stopped wearing jeans during the pandemic because you love yourself <laughs> and there's like seams on like the the tights and athletic leggings. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I wrote down jeans and then I had to include leggings because I was like, when have I ever put a pair of jeans on? I don't know that person. Uh, it isn't me. Whoever I've never is. heard of her. She doesn't wear jeans here. <laughs> she doesn't anymore. <laughs> no, correct. A jean has not gone on this body. And when it does, I get so sad. Oh, my God. I hate wearing jeans now. Moment of silence for, for jeans. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. jeans. Okay. So an EpiPen injection will open your airways. They let your blood vessels go back down to their normal size, and it could potentially save your life. Wait. Are people allergic to EpiPen? No, I don't think so. Yeah, like you'll never, you can give almost anyone an EpiPen and it's like they're not going to be allergic to it and they're also not going to overdose from like administering an EpiPen. Okay. And actually what's kind of interesting. I just got nervous. (laughs) I know, I know. I'm like, wait a minute. What's actually kind of interesting is that in about 20% of cases, there's a thing called biphasic anaphylaxis, meaning that about eight hours after you have your first allergic reaction, 20% of people experience those symptoms again without being exposed to the trigger. Why? Right. Nobody That's knows. Not fair. So it like spontaneously that... happens again. That's so rude. And so for people who do have those really severe allergic reactions, doctors actually recommend having a second EpiPen on hand. Dab twice in a day? Right. The effects of the first one only last about 15 to 20 minutes. Wow. I'm shook. Right. So people think you stab yourself and then you're good, but actually they only last between 15 and 20 minutes. And in 30% of allergic reactions, the symptoms don't go away with the first one, and you actually may need a second dose of emergency epinephrine. That sucks. God, that sucks. Yeah. The moral of that story is 
Keep your first pen handy, but also keep a second pen handy, folks. Yeah. People are forgetting that, and it's a problem. Keep your friends close and your EpiPens closer. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that was Pens. beautiful. Plural. Yeah. EpiPen hyrus. So antihistamines are also commonly used in conjunction with the EpiPen to help with the symptoms of an allergic reaction. Although there's actually very little evidence to support it would help with, like, airway opening. Mm. So if your airway starts to close up, the moral of the story is don't pop a Benadryl and call it a day because it's not going to take care of it. Yikes. There is evidence to suggest that inhaled corticosteroids like the ones that come in an asthma inhaler can actually help you with the symptoms of your throat closing. That's good. So dope. That's basically how you treat anaphylaxis. If you have a known allergy that might cause anaphylaxis, really the best that you can do is be prepared. Yeah, so literally. So keep an EpiPen, keep Benadryl, keep a rescue inhaler. And all of those things only help if you have them when you need them. Mm. So if you're going somewhere, you have this potential allergy, it's good to have those things maybe in your car, maybe in your purse or backpack or whatever you like to carry. It's good to have those things on you at all times if you have this severe of an allergic reaction. Yeah. Whenever I was teaching um, and we would go on field trips, one adult... If you had, like, a kid in your group that had an EpiPen, you had it on you. And, like, you couldn't leave that kid. Yeah. So. So that must actually. Was that a school policy? No, that's, like, that's, like, every school I've ever worked at has the same policy. Okay. What's crazy, though, is that Texas doesn't actually have a law dictating that public schools do that. It was, like, a nurse practice. Like, the schools, it was a policy. Yeah. Every school I've worked at. Yeah. The horrible thing, though, is that anaphylaxis is often super severe and epinephrine availability is not always widespread. Like it's a problem, right? If a kid is really comes from a disadvantaged economic background or something like that, they straight up just may not have access to epinephrine. So the availability is not always widespread. I feel like one of those should be in every classroom. Oh, I totally feel the same way. But recently there have been over 25 recently passed laws designed to support and protect the food allergy community. Good. And one of these, uh, one example of this is Amaria's law, which was passed in Virginia in 2012. And it requires Virginia public schools to stock epinephrine for use on any child. So it can't be a dedicated pen that you keep for a specific kid. Mm-hmm. It has to be epinephrine that can be used on any child who has a severe allergic reaction. And it has to be a school nurse or employee who all have to have anaphylaxis training has to be available to administer the epinephrine. And this was inspired by Amaria Johnson, who was a seven-year-old who passed away after eating a peanut during recess at school and going into anaphylactic shock, and teachers didn't find him until it was too late. (gasps) Oh, my God. Imagine. Oh, my God. What's crazy, though, is that a lot of these laws, unfortunately, are because something really tragic happened to a kid. Yep. Um, But this... and That's like rules in general, like speed limits. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like someone did something... Or something happened, and now we have to make a law about it. Exactly. Um, but this so sad. and 24 other laws like it have been passed around the U.S. to help protect children, especially those with food allergies, who are at risk every single day they go out into the world. Yeah, literally. Literally. And they're at recess, and they're playing. And yep. you think about all the things that could happen, and they could just breathe in peanut air. Yep. That's 100%. So I would homeschool my kid. They would be— Oh, my God. Uh, big nerd. I literally cannot imagine having a kid with a severe allergy like this. 
And most of these kids, I mean, like 40% of the kids who have a severe allergy have more than one. Yeah, exactly. That's so scary. Gosh, you never knew food allergies would be like, that's a bummer. (laughs) I know. It's like, it's a bummer, but it's also something that like, this is so prevalent and nobody knows about. Like, I had no idea. We all need to know. Yeah, so lots of these laws seem to have been passed after a care facility or school poorly handled a child going into anaphylactic shock, but not all states have them. So what I would say, too, is if you or a loved one has a severe food allergy, it's so important to know about the resources available to you and how your local schools, restaurants, and anywhere else that you might come into contact with an allergy trigger handle these conditions, like restaurants, too. If you're in a state like ours that doesn't have these laws, call your local representatives about making your state more food allergy friendly. That's literally how some of these laws got passed. One of them was by a 12-year-old girl whose sister had severe allergies and she wanted her sister to be protected. So she called her local representative and said, I need you to, you know, do something about this. Do your job. And they did. Yeah. Okay. What I will say is, typically in cases of anaphylactic, anaphylaxis, the prognosis is really good. Most people survive if they have access to the right medication and they have it in a fast way, right? There have been some cases where anaphylactic shock causes death within a matter of minutes without access to an EpiPen. So as expensive as these things are, if you start feeling the symptoms, the best thing you can do is use it first and ask questions later. We need a shirt that says EpiPen save lives. Literally, I am so confused. Not me about coming up with all the food allergy merch. <laughs> food like, allergy I am a merch. Food allergy merch, ally. Merch, merch. Yeah, I mean, I am so concerned. There's okay. I'm going to tell you about another crazy one. So while I was doing the research for this episode, I came across a super weird condition called exercise-induced anaphylaxis. Oh my god, I saw that in your notes. So one out of every two thousand, which is pretty common. That is a crazy statistic. Right. One out of every 2,000 young people go into anaphylaxis after having physical activity. Do they even know? No. I bet people just think they're lazy. Yeah. Because that's what I would think. (laughs) That's what I would think, too. After strenuous exercise, these people experience, like, hives and itchy rashes, wheezing, trouble breathing, vomiting, diarrhea, and even, like, cardiovascular systems that can make them pass out. Jesus Christ. They're literally allergic to working out. I mean... This is a terrible thing to joke about, but maybe I'm going to tell Eric this the next time we have to do a long run. (laughs) You're training for a half half marathon. Correct. I'm going to say maybe that I'm allergic to working out. It feels like a good excuse. He's not going to care. He's not going to (laughs) care. He's not an allergy ally. He's going to be like, perfect, I have an EpiPen. He probably will say that. That's crazy. And that is not talked about because when I was teaching and when I was coaching, I've never seen that. I know. It's crazy. And one in 2000 is not uncommon. That is someone in your school system. Correct. Period. Right. That's crazy. And it's most common in young adults, but people of like, you know, in their 20s to 30s are actually most likely to die. That makes sense. From anaphylactic shock because they're they're least likely to be prepared. Yeah. You know, because like a parent will carry a kid's inhaler, right? And, And EpiPen. But like a 20 year old is like, I'm out at a bar. I didn't know that drink had peanuts in it. Ew, what? bar is that Man, giving you know. peanut drinks. 
I recently tried something called, uh, it's a peanut butter infused whiskey. I don't know about that. It's a peanut butter infused whiskey. And I'm assuming that that would like, it, it has peanuts in it, right? Whatever. Yeah. You can't drink no, that. You can't. Okay. The other important thing to note about EpiPens is that even after you take one or both of those injections, it's still important to seek emergency medical assistance because that EpiPen, like I said, may wear off. It's basically meant to be an emergency staple, not a complete fix to the problem you're having. That's crazy. You know what? I'm getting riled up. Get riled. We should really have the allergy communities back on this one because this is crazy. Yeah. So not only do they have to have two EpiPens on hand, and when they use those, they got to get two more, uh-huh. but then they have... I, I, All of this better be covered. Benadryl, emergency they, inhaler. They all better have EpiPens this. EpiPens are very expensive. Oh, my God. It's better be covered by insurance, and if it's not, that's a tragedy. It is covered by insurance. Hang on. Let me do a little beep, beep, up. I'm upset. So one brand name EpiPen... Without insurance. I'm assuming it is covered in insurance. If you have it. That's the other thing. Right. If you have insurance. Okay. But the average EpiPen, a name brand EpiPen, costs between $100 and $600 per two injector package. What the heck? They estimate that if you don't have insurance, it costs between $650 and $700 for the name brand EpiPen. This is ridiculous. Like, everyone needs an EpiPen. Yeah. Everyone has someone they love. That needs an EpiPen. One out of 13 children. Everyone knows someone who needs an EpiPen. That's crazy. That's so common. I'm a, I'll, I'll, don't try me. (laughs) Do not try me. I mean, to be fair, I really think that the best thing that any of us can do is call local representatives and be like, you need to make this state food allergy friendly. But yeah, that's that's pretty much the best thing you can do is just be prepared, have these things on hand. If you're concerned that something is giving you allergies, I'm going to talk in just a minute about the tests that you can do. Good. Oh, yeah. You know but what? For now, when you said that you were covering this, I was looking it up and you can do like at home tests for like food allergies and yep. stuff. You definitely can. Okay. So now that we know what anaphylactic shock or an allergic reaction looks like. Let's talk about what actually causes it, like biologically, what's going on. Okay. Basically, allergies are also known as allergic diseases, and they're caused by a person's immune system being hypersensitive to what is normally a harmless substance in the environment. And allergies can be managed, but they actually can't be cured. Mm. So they're actually technically classified as a chronic disease, which is so interesting. That's crazy. So a food sensitivity or intolerance like lactose intolerance hashtag Michelle hashtag me too (laughs) (laughs) you are crazy though yeah you don't respect your food allergy or intolerance you guys don't know this about me but I am lactose intolerant and I continue to eat cheese uh, daily And cream in your milk. I put cream in my coffee. I almost said cream in your milk. Like, what else? But cream in your coffee. Yeah. And listen, here's the situation. I might poop my pants, but I'm going to live my life. (laughs) That is so (laughs) unhealthy. It is so unhealthy. I need to seek help. Okay, so a food sensitivity or intolerance like lactose intolerance is what you have when your body lacks the enzyme that breaks down a protein in a specific food. So... 
milk products, dairy products have a protein called lactose. If you're lactose intolerant, your body doesn't make the enzyme lactase Mm -hmm. and you can't break down the protein that's in that milk product. That sucks. (laughs) Right. While food intolerance sucks, especially if you have one, it isn't actually usually considered the same as a food allergy. Okay. That's good. Because that's just your gastrointestinal system lacking enzyme happens to a lot of people. Yeah, you hate yourself afterward. But a true food allergy actually involves the activation of your immune system. Okay. Okay. But I will say this point has become a little contentious lately in the allergy community because lots of people with food sensitivities want them classified as allergies. But the allergy scientists are saying, well, if your immune system isn't activated, then it's not truly an allergy. Mm. So contentious point. Drama in science. Drama in science, 100%. But for the sake of making this episode short and sweet, let's just assume that you have to activate the immune system for it to be a true allergy so I can explain what's going on. So your immune system is always on guard, right? It's like ready to protect your body from an infection. So... An allergy is basically a case of, like, mistaken identity. Hmm. And I'm going to steal a little bit of this part directly from the podcast Stuff You Should Know, which is excellent. I've, I've listened to that. I was about to say I've watched it, but I haven't. I've listened. Yeah, they do lots of good episodes. So a lot of my stuff is um, occasionally informed by their input. Normally, your immune system handles invaders, right? Like foreign invaders like bacteria, viruses, anything that might cause an infection so yay woo go immune system right we need that for that that purpose your immune system is absolutely essential however with a food allergy when you eat something like a peanut your body doesn't recognize one of the proteins attached to that peanut so it actually attacks it Mm. similar to the way it attacks that bacteria that would have come in and harmed you. That makes sense. So your immune system sees the peanut, senses the peanut, and it's like, oh, shit, you guys, we're under attack. Fight that peanut. Correct. Oh, and that's why it can't even be in the air. Oh, okay, okay. Exactly. Dang. So let's backtrack for just a sec. So in your immune system, there are these cells called T-cells and B-cells. Uh, They're also known as lymphocytes or white blood cells. Super important to the immune system. You said T-cells, B-cells. Everyone who was me was like, what are you talking about? Then you said white blood cells. We're like, oh, okay. Done. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they're super important to the immune system. And basically, you can think of them like the customs agents of your body if your body is an airport. Okay. So again, stealing this directly from stuff you should know. They're kind of like TSA. They go around... To the things inside your body, and they're like, who are you? What are you doing? Did you bring any foreign vegetables in your luggage? Typical TSA shit, right? It's so funny. I'm crying. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> who okay. are you? Y'all, if you didn't, you can't see her, but she had like little fingers up. Like, I did who finger are guns. You? Who are you? What are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you from? Yeah. Let me see your identification. <laughs> so that's what these lymphocytes do. And the B cells specifically kind of flag this peanut or whatever as what we call an antigen. And an antigen is just a fancy way of saying a foreign object or, like, bad guy, right? hmm So the B cells take down the peanut's information. They're like, yeah, I got you now, peanut bitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that first exposure is called the sensitizing event. So that's what, like, makes you sensitive to peanuts in the okay. future. The B cell's like, okay, peanut, I got your number. So the B cell goes back to the lymph node, And it starts producing antibodies 
that are specifically made to recognize that peanut. Dang. Okay. Okay. Our bodies are cool, y'all. Thanks, science. So the first time this happens, you're exposed to that antigen that's on the peanut, right? Your body produces antibodies that will recognize the antigen, the peanut, if it ever comes back again. They put signs up. Like they put, you know, when people like shoplift or something like that, they put like a sign up with the peanut's face on it that say, if I ever see your ugly mug around here again, there's going to be hell to pay. Wow, you are so funny today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. And so then what happens is... There's um, this thing called immunoglobin E or IgE, okay? And it's one of those antibodies that cause an allergic reaction. So IgE antibodies basically hijack these other two types of cells in your immune system called mast cells and basophils. And when they do that, each one becomes like a ticking time bomb. And when the bomb goes off, they release tons of histamine and other chemicals that cause inflammation. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, histamine is, like, if you think of histamine as, it, like, makes you itchy, right? It causes inflammation. If they get into your bloodstream, it can cause a local inflammatory response. So, if it gets into your bloodstream, for instance, gets over to your skin, it can cause an itchy rash, okay. right? Okay. If it gets into your lungs, it can cause respiratory symptoms, things like that. So, where that histamine ends up matters for what kind of symptoms you're going to experience. Yep. Okay. Okay, so the rest of your cells are waiting around, and they're like, don't you ever come back here again, peanut. And those mast cells and the basophils, the time bombs, are like, I'm going to get you. (laughs) They're just waiting. They're like, oh, I wish that peanut would come back, right? I'm going to get that peanut. Okay, so when they do see the peanut again, the histamine gets released like crazy, the bomb goes off, and all hell breaks loose, okay? Mass chaos. But not for the peanut. For the person whose body it is. Yeah. Yeah, they're, like, trying to attack the peanut. Right. And they miss, and they just keep hitting bystanders. The peanut is like, y'all, I'm a nut. Like, I don't know what you, you can't get me. me. Like, it walks into a very tense situation, and the peanut is like, my bad, y'all. Okay. The histamine getting released kicks off this whole allergic cascade that ultimately causes those allergic symptoms we talked about, including anaphylaxis, or other terrible GI symptoms like vomiting. And all this happens because your immune system was just overly eager and, like, real excited to attack something and accidentally recognized the peanut as a bad guy. Even though, like, a peanut by itself is not harmful at all, right? Yeah. Basically, in our bodies, if we have food allergies, we all have um, white blood cells that judge... And misidentify. Yep. Basically, you have an immune system that is, like, real bad at remembering faces. <laughs> Your immune system is like, what, you fit the profile <laughs> of a peanut. Yeah. Correct. Oh, my God. Our immune systems are profiling. They're profiling. They're trash. Only if you have an allergy. And so... Aw, poor allergy people. Nobody really knows why exactly that happens. This, like, mistaken identity but they think it's probably caused by some, like, missing piece of genetic code. So your DNA just, like, forgot to tell your body to chill out when it sees a peanut. It's like, oh, man. Like, that's what happened. Sorry about that. Whoops. My bad. So kids who eat peanuts or peanut butter, for instance, really early in their diets are much less likely to develop these allergies. So part of it is exposure. When their immune systems are developing... 
Exposure to certain foods allows kids to build up a tolerance. However, if the allergy already exists, exposure is a terrible idea. So don't do that. Are there are there like hospitals or like camps that like slowly expose kids to things they're allergic to? It's super interesting that you bring that up because if you go to a doctor for allergies, they'll give you one of a few different types of tests to diagnose whether you actually have an allergy. The first type is a skin prick test or scratch test. So basically, they scratch your skin with a needle, then they take extracts of a bunch of different foods that commonly cause allergies, and they put the substance in the scratch that they made with the little needle yeah. onto either your arm or your back. And if you have a reaction, then you're probably allergic to that thing, right? Yeah. Pretty easy. The second kind of test is a blood test where they look for those IgE antibodies that we talked about earlier in your blood. So they draw blood. If you have those antibodies, that means you've already been exposed to the trigger once, i.e. that sensitizing event that we talked about. And the next one could be really bad, like may cause anaphylactic shock. So that's the second way. Okay. And then the other two are food-based. So the doctor, who normally you would go to an allergist for this, will give you more and more of the protein causing that allergy until you have a reaction. That doesn't feel safe. So, well, I mean, they're an allergist, so they know what to do if you do have a reaction. <laughs> I know, but that's kind of dumb. It seems kind of crazy to me. Like, why would you ever choose that one if you could just get poked with a whatever? Like, get poked with a needle. Yeah, poke yeah. me. Ouchies. For one second. But maybe it's for, like, kids who are really, really terrified of needles or something. I don't know. So, like, if you're allergic to peanuts, they give you more and more of the peanut protein until it triggers symptoms. That is terrifying. Or the other option is they do what's called a food elimination diet. So if you start having symptoms every time you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, they'll be like, don't eat peanuts and see if the symptoms go away. And that's it. Then that's how you tell whether you have an allergy or not. I would choose that way. Same. The easy way. Just don't eat that anymore. <laughs> Perfect. There's a lot of food out there. Just eat something different. Does not work for you. You will eat cheese. I will. If I if they told me right now I would go into anaphylactic shock, I'd be like, uh, it's a toss-up whether I'm going to do it or not. <laughs> yeah. Epi-poons. <laughs> See you in the ER. So if you do eat something and have like a systemic or full body reaction, that histamine that we were talking about earlier causes your blood vessels to dilate or get bigger, which causes a drop in your blood pressure, sometimes really dramatically, and can cause you to like lose consciousness. Yeah. Histamine can also cause swelling. So like we talked about, not uncommon for your throat to swell. But if you can't get air, you can also starve your brain of oxygen, which can actually lead to brain damage or even death. So again. Yeah. Don't do that. The EpiPen temporarily reverses those symptoms and may end up saving your life. But again, anaphylaxis is like the most extreme version of an allergic reaction. So people can experience all kinds of symptoms that can be attributed to like food allergies or even intolerances like yeast infections, arthritis, diarrhea, any of those like lots of different symptoms can be attributed to allergies or intolerances to food because sometimes your body just reacts poorly to something you've eaten. Yeah, that happens a lot, I feel like. Yeah. So is it true that the allergy gets worse every time you eat that thing you're allergic to? So the kid allergic to peanuts, eats a peanut, has 
a reaction needs an EpiPen the next time it's like even worse. Is that true? That's a very interesting question because I literally always thought that that was the case. But according to foodallergy.org, that's actually kind of a myth because allergies can be pretty unpredictable. Some can even go away over time. So it's not necessarily true that it'll get worse each time you eat the thing, but also it might, right? Yeah. So the Allergy itself is just that, an allergy, but you can either have a mild, moderate, or severe reaction to it, and how severe that reaction is changes over time. So something that caused a mild reaction last time may cause a severe one next time, or vice versa, and we just don't know enough about allergies as conditions to know for sure how that part works. That's kind of scary. Yeah, but... Like, sometimes kids outgrow their allergies, and sometimes adults develop new allergies. So, of the nine most common allergens, it's super common for kids to outgrow half of them, but we still don't fully know what actually causes allergies, so the FASI, or the Food Allergy Science Initiative, is on the case, (laughs) and they're... (laughs) You like that? You like that I said on the case? Yeah, they're on the case. (laughs) And they're publishing super cool new research all the time to try and figure out all of this stuff. One more super interesting thing, last fun fact. One study found that the geographic areas and cultures that eat certain foods usually have a higher prevalence of allergies to that food group. So countries that eat lots of fish, like Japan, Scandinavia, Norway, Portugal, all have relatively high numbers of fish allergies compared to other countries. Like in America, fish allergies are not common at all. Rice allergies are relatively uncommon in most parts of the world, but actually fairly common in Eastern Asia, where it's most commonly eaten regularly. Peanut allergies are quite common in the U.S., the U.K., and Israel, but comparatively rare in other groups. But we can't blame that entirely on peanut consumption because, like, the U.S., the U.K., Israel all apparently eat way more peanuts than other parts of the world. But there are also Indonesia and parts of Africa that eat tons of peanuts, but they have almost no incidence of peanut allergy. So it's so weird. Yeah. Because sometimes... It just all depends. It depends on what part of the world you live in, and sometimes it doesn't. So... Because of this, we do know that diet is definitely definitely plays some kind of role, along with exposure at certain ages to certain types of food, genetics, and probably all kinds of different factors that we haven't really identified yet. But we do know that we can blame 90% of all documented food allergies in the U.S. specifically on eight major allergens, milk, eggs, fish, shellfish, tree nuts, wheat, peanuts, and soybeans. Like, those are the big eight. But there are ten total, so not to leave a cliffhanger. leaving a cliffhanger. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Next week, we're going to do a deep dive on the world's ten most common allergens, and that's how we're going to end season two. (laughs) We wanted to do something a little bit different for the end of season two. We are super excited that we had a season two. Yeah. And that you're here with us for it. Um, So we're doing like a collaborative episode, which we don't actually normally do. I know you think like we just pour hours of our lives into a shared document and we we don't. We like usually bring this up one on one on one. Right. Yeah. Each of us does our our own research. Yeah. (laughs) Own research. Yeah. So this time we're both going to cover some research and we're bringing it to you in a big collab. 
Because that sounds cool to us. Bringing it to you live. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see you next week for the deep dive on the 10 most common allergens in the world. And you are welcome. And you voted for it. And you love it. You should follow us. Yeah, you you did. Maybe you didn't, but you should. And if you're like, what voting are you talking about? That's on our social meds. And you should hit them up. You should follow our Insta. You should follow us on Facebook. You should hit us up on Twitter. Twitter. You should email us if you have a recommendation. And you know what? If you're part of the allergy community and you have a story that you want to share, you should reach out to us. We would love to hear I your allergy stories. Really invested in your success in life. <laughs> Absolutely same. Also, I'm sn- silently snapping for that seamless transition you just did. <laughs> a snappy snaps. While you're in the area of following us on Instagram, why don't you go ahead and subscribe? I don't know. Just an idea. Smash the subscribe button. Do it. Do it. And we'll see you next week. For your exciting listing. We're going to end season two. And and we love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. Get an up. What? What was I going to say? Check your EpiPens. Everybody needs an EpiPen. Everybody needs an EpiPen. Get two EpiPens. Everybody needs an EpiPen. So you can help your friend. Everybody needs some EpiPens. That's our new theme song. Everybody needs two EpiPens. <laughs> Everybody needs two. Everybody needs some EpiPens. So you do, do, can do, do, help do, your do, friend. Do, do, do. I love beer, it. Beer, I'm beer. snapping Bye. along. Keep going. <laughs>